What's going on, everybody? Elliot Joe Parks here with Matt Lombardo, the No Huddle Show. From the Novacare Complex, where the Eagles will not be practicing today because of the cold outside. The fields are frozen. They're moving over to Lincoln Financial Field. And, Matt, I've been on the beat probably for right around the same time you have, around four or five years. I can't ever remember them time a time they held a regular season practice at the Novacare, at the uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. Yeah, the only time they've ever practiced at Lincoln Financial Field, Elliot, has been during training camp when they opened mm-hmm. it up to the fans. But today, uh, as John Clark reported earlier, the fields at the Novacare Complex froze. So they can't get out there will be like playing in the ice bowl with the mm-hmm. Packers and the Cowboys Lambeau field back in the day. But at the link, they have those heaters underneath the field. So it's not frozen. They can practice over there. Um, kind of an interesting way to hold your only full practice of the week after two walkthroughs leading up to a meaningless week 17 game where your offensive starters didn't look that great Monday night against the Raiders. Yeah. And I've got some thoughts on the fact they only did two walkthroughs, but Man, this season was just rolling along smoothly. Everything was going great, and it seems like these past two weeks, things just the Eagles have really had a lot of challenges come their way. Not that moving over to the link is a huge deal, but it's just another weird sag and turn in the end of this season. Um, but today is, of course, Fan Friday, so we're going to read a fan review from you guys. We always love your five-star reviews, or even your four-star reviews, preferably five, but we appreciate everyone that gives feedback, takes the time to do it. Um, it really helps us out. It helps us get higher in those iTunes rankings and all that good stuff. So, Matt, why don't you go first? I'm going to start off with a, a review from Hoffa15. He says, Solid Eagles pod. He gives us four stars. I would have preferred five, but he gave <laughs> us four. Says, Matt Lombardo and Elliot Shore Parks do a good job of providing the right amount of context from an unbiased perspective. It'd be better next year if they could focus on the X's and O's a little bit more, provide some more scheme and matchup perspectives like Fran Duffy, or bring him in as an occasional guest instead of just voice and their opinions. So Hoffa 15, thanks for the review. Two quick things. I'm a big fan of what Fran Duffy does. I'm Absolutely. a big fan of, of what guys like Brian Baldinger do, both on Twitter and at my former home, 97.5 The Fanatic. Great ideas. Maybe we'll bring some of those guys on throughout the offseason. Um, but I don't know about you, Elliot. It's a lot harder to get into that film breakdown in audio than it is on video yeah. when you can actually break down plays and draw them up on the Telestrator. But we definitely appreciate the feedback and we're going to continue to to bring you that unbiased perspective on the content because that's what we do. And if you guys haven't seen the clips Brian brought Brian Baldinger does on Twitter. You really need to check it out. It's one of my favorite things to do on Monday and Tuesday. He's like a poet with that. Yep. Like it's not just a video. He does a great job narrating it, really explaining what's going on. I'm so. excited for when he starts with his draft breakdown too, because it does uh-huh. the same thing gets the coach's film of all the prospects. And you know me, I'm an NFL draft and college <laughs> football junkie. So I like sitting there and just watching Brian Baldinger break down film, whether it's of NFL players or of draft prospects really helps you kind of, you know, hone your skills in terms terms of analyzing not only the game, but evaluating talent. I know you're excited for those Saquon breakdowns. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he comes to the Eagles now. Who knows? But probably still not going to be that. Uh, probably not still going to go too high for the Eagles. But all right. So my review, I almost read the one who was left by someone called Elliot the Donkey. But we did the negative reviews last week. So let's keep it a little <laughs> more positive this week. Um, this one's called Sweet and Sour Eagles by Eagles fan Liv. Eagles fan in South Carolina. Uh, doubt that's Mark Eckle, our old buddy, but who knows? Maybe this is him. Uh, I live in South Carolina, so I listen to your podcast to stay current on the Eagles. One of my fa- what, blah, blah, blah. one of my family Christmas traditions is to eat Chinese food Christmas Day, which brings me to my review. The Eagles have been explosive and dismal in different phases throughout the season. I enjoy your podcast description of the teams and players, sweet and sour results during the year. However, like every Philadelphian, you focus heavily on the sour, ignoring the sweetness of the 13-2 and Eagles' success. Enjoy and talk about the sweetness more, guys. And this is something that's come up in a lot of reviews yep. recently. 
I don't know what you guys want us to say. Like the with I mean they've played really bad the last two weeks. When when they were moving to you know winning ten in a row, they were what what they what they get to eleven and one or ten and one or whatever they were. People weren't saying that we weren't being honest and unbiased then. It's just they were playing better. So that's just the reality of the situation. And which kind of brings us into our first topic of today. Um, we've talked about this, I guess, on two podcasts now, but just really quickly, I wanted to see if your opinions change at all um, about whether or not Doug should play the starters this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I, Elliot, you and I talked about it last week. We talked about it on the Hot Take Pod on Wednesday. I initially didn't think that there was really much value at all in playing the starters because I think the injury risk is there, and especially when you have a backup like Nate Sudfeld, who's never taken a snap in the NFL. I don't think you should be real comfortable with the idea of Nick Foles facing live bullets in a meaningless game, but he looked so bad on Monday night. He only targeted Alshon Jeffrey two times. Jeffrey didn't have a catch. He was wildly inaccurate, had what would be a pick six that was dropped. So I think there is something to getting them some game reps. I I know we're going to get into this with your opinions on the practice schedule this week, and I share a lot of those opinions. But if I'm Doug Peterson going into Sunday, I'm going to put most of my defensive starters on ice. That's a banged-up group. You know what they are. And I think that any time, especially on defense, you can get you guys get you guys some rest, get them kind of recharged and, and you know, uh, rested and healthy going into mm-hmm. the postseason is a good thing. But if I'm Doug Peterson, I think I played Nick Foles and the offensive starters a quarter, maybe into the second quarter, and then I put them on ice, put them on bubble wrap because the you have to walk that fine line of getting them game reps together to build chemistry, but preventing injury in a meaningless game. So I think I've made my final decision, just made it while you were talking. I would well, not. Good. That means that's we talked you into one way yeah. or the other. Nice. Well, I, I don't think I would play the starters, and here's why. Because it seemed – all right, so the, the Eagles practice schedule this week. So normally they practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then a light kind of like walkthrough-ish thing on Saturday. But this week they've done walkthroughs every day except for today, which is going to be Friday, and they're going to be practicing over at the link. I don't know how that's going to impact the practice at all. But – I mean, so we're, we're able to watch a lot of practices during training camp. We watch when they do 10-10-10s. We watch when they do full. We've never seen them do a walkthrough. It's just not something that's, that's open. But it really is exactly what it sounds like. The players literally just walk. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll walk up to the line of scrimmage, hike the ball very slowly. Um, you know, they'll kind of, like, jog their, their route. Routes, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I asked a few players to, uh, yesterday on Thursday – you know, is it possible to really work on timing during that? And Tory Smith said essentially, no, you really can't work on it during that. You know, in order to work on timing and getting down, um, you know, chemistry with routes and stuff like that, you need to be moving at full speed. And he said you can get that in practice if you're doing a full speed practice, and then obviously a game you get it. So here's my thing. So Doug's had three days this week to really kind of get the team to go to full speed. If he really thought – that Foles being on the same page with his receivers was an issue. Why are you doing a walkthrough two days of the week? And then, so to play them on Sunday for, I don't know what, maybe 20 snaps. How many passes is Foles going to throw on Sunday, do you think? Best case scenario. Maybe 15? eight or nine, yeah. ten. Right, yeah. so you're talking about 10, 10 throws where is that really going to change things? And then you have a full week off. We haven't got their practice schedule yet, but based off the fact that they've done two walkthroughs this week, they had walkthroughs last week prior to the Raiders game. Um, I would I would be surprised if they had like a two or three day of practice that week. So now you're really looking at you're going to have all next week off 
basically. And then you'll have the regular practice schedule prior to the playoff game. I'd be surprised if they'd walk through that week. I'd imagine that'd be a little more up a little more up tempo. But I guess my ultimate point is this is if you're not stressing it during the week, I don't see why risking Foles to injury on Sunday, where I, I you know, I do kind of get the point of does it matter if it's Foles or Sudfeld at this point, but ideally you you do want Foles out there. It just seems like w- what's the benefit? Like well, ha- here's, 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 what I so here's the benefit of having the bye. You're going to have now two weeks after this game to get ready for a playoff game. And, you know, we've talked all year about Doug Peterson being among the candidates for coach of the mm-hmm. year. So I don't think people should say that we're haters by saying this. And I, I do think, think there's a point to be made of just trusting him. Right. And, and I agree with that. But I think that this was a miscalculation because you could have, if you're Doug Peterson, practice the Eagles at, at not necessarily full speed. Maybe you throw in one extra walkthrough this week to kind of, you know, get your body fresh and healed up from the game on Monday. It's a short week. It's week 17. But you could have practiced them at a close to normal pace this week, gotten those extra reps with Alshon Jeffrey and Nick Foles in the offense, and then really backed it down next week. Maybe you have them in for a walkthrough on Tuesday or Wednesday, give them off, then bring them back in for a regular week. I feel like by going two walkthroughs in a practice this week, you missed an opportunity to work on that timing. And I don't know how much taking it easy three weeks before a playoff game is going to really make you feel a sharper. That's probably not going to be the case and be healthier than you would if you would just go out and practice and then take it easy and rest up. Well, next. And week. the other thing worth noting and is I didn't seem like a big deal at the time. So it was never really brought up, but they did, I believe two walkthroughs before the Raiders game. And look how they—I mean, look how they played in that game. So here's the thing: I understand at the end of the season, if Wentz was still your quarterback, then I don't think it's a big issue. But look, we saw how long it took for Wentz to really get on the same page with these guys. I mean, in training camp, me and you debated almost every podcast about whether it mattered, yep. mattered Alshon was missing practice. And you know, we talked about you know him getting chemistry with these guys. You really saw Wentz not and Alshon not get on the same page until week six or seven after having you know for whatever portion of training camp Alshon was there for. They went to North Dakota together. They played six games. They did some preseason work in the games. It takes time. So I guess my thing is this. Do you think it's possible? It, like, I don't think Nick Foles is going to get on the same page as his uh, – like, the the he's not going to make a ton of a difference. He's not going to make a huge leap forward in how much of chemistry he has with the receivers at this point. They're doing walkthroughs. He's going to probably throw the ball – 10, 11 times on Sunday. Then they'll have a week off. Then they'll have one or two practices. So – I just don't see where you're thinking, not you, I mean, but where like the public or anybody thinks that they're going to make this huge leap forward where they're doing these walkthroughs and he's barely going to play. I think we just have to accept that the fools you've seen these past two weeks where, yes, against the Giants, he did have four touchdowns, but the fools you've seen these last two weeks, that's the fools in the passing game you're going to get. I don't see anything changing. From and that, that goes back to what we've talked about even before his first game against the Giants and even more so after Monday. I think they need to adapt the offense. I don't think that you can go into a playoff situation and run the same offense that you were running with with Carson Wentz as the quarterback because so much of what you did with Carson Wentz was dependent on time of possession, was dependent on success on third down, moving the chains, keeping your defense fresh, mm-hmm. and they were 1-14 for 14 on third down against the Raiders on Monday. Um, so that's not going to get it done. They weren't very good on first and second down, which put them in a lot of third and longs. And Foles mentioned that. 
this week when yep. talking. And and I think that what you saw in the first quarter, you know, they were running the ball very effectively. They had 48 rushing yards in the first quarter, and you and I thought that the game would be over in 90 minutes of real time, and they'd right. run for 220 yards, and they'd win the game 10 to nothing. That's probably going to have to be the blueprint where you're going to have to stick with the run early, and the offensive line with a healthy Stefan Wisniewski should be good enough for you to be able to do that. You need to take the ball out of Nick Foles' hands in terms of making him win the game for you and just let him be a game manager. And you're going to have to win by playing defense and running the football. So I think that if anything, whether it's in addition to working on timing when you do practice for real, mm-hmm. I think Doug Peterson and Frank Reich and Nick Foles and John Filippo and Deuce Staley, the running backs coach, they need to get their heads together and come up with a way to run this offense through the running game using that to set up the pass rather than passing the ball as often as they did with Carson Wentz and with Nick Foles on so Monday. So two questions I think uh, – this is a, actually was in a review because it is Fan Friday. Um, these are from Gorky Park. Uh, the guy says, you guys always kind of hate on Foles. You're always criticizing Foles. And he has two interesting questions I think are worth talking about. The first is – Tell us what needs to change to make this passing game more effective. So let's discuss that one first. What do you think? I mean, we've kind of said that we don't think he's going to be able to get on the same page, or at least any more than he is already with his receivers. What are some things you think um, this team could do to increase the passing game and to make it better than it was against the Raiders? I mean, 37 yards in the second half. Um, I know I I have some ideas, but I'll I'll let you go first. Yeah, I think that it comes down to what I just talked about. You you Mm -hmm. have to run the ball. I mean, I don't think that... I think you almost need to set it up so that Jay Ajayi gets 12 or 13 carries, LeGarrette Blunt gets 8 to 10 carries, and you give Corey Clement somewhere between 8 and 10 carries and you just pound the rock with mm-hmm. the running game, maintain time of possession, keep your defense off the field as much as possible, and when you do throw the ball... I think that the, we've watched Nick Foles develop a nice rapport with, with Nelson Aguilar. We saw him make that circus catch in the end zone. Um, Aguilar has some decent speed over the middle. And Zach Ertz, you saw him try to target him deep, overthrew him in the end zone, overthrew him at about the five-yard line. But I think that getting your middle-of-the-field routes, your crossing patterns, your, your skinny posts to Zach Ertz, to Nelson Aguilar, that's going to have to be what drives this offense in addition to screenplays to your running backs. I really think that the blueprint here is what the Rams do with Todd Gurley. Now, the Eagles don't have a Todd Gurley no. MVP caliber running back, but they do have one of the better committees in the NFL. you got to run the ball to set up the pass. you got to check down, and fans don't want to hear this, but you got to dink and dunk. you got to average four or five yards per per play, whether it's running or passing or a combination, and keep those chains moving rather than take the deep shots where Foles so hasn't been at. That's where I agree. I think you're going to have to dink and dunk the ball. And something everyone's talked about this week is Foles just needs to give Alshon a chance. Just throw it up and give him a chance. And I don't see where that is an effective form of offense. I looked it up yesterday. Alshon's been targeted, I think it was 118 times this year. Off the top of your hand, I mean, off the top of your head, how many times do you think of those have been 50-50 contested balls? Less than 10, 15? And how many of those have turned into catches? So I don't think that Alshon in an Eagles uniform has a track record where you can say going into a playoff game, all right, we want to just give him a shot to go up and get the ball five or ten, you know, like four or five times. Because I don't think he'll come down with them. And, I mean, maybe he draws a pass interference call, and there's always that chance, especially with how they call it today in today's NFL. But I think for the passing game to be more effective, they're just going to have to, as you said, run the ball. But then they got to dink and dunk. Four or five-yard completions, see if your receivers can make someone miss yep. afterwards. 
if Foles is going to be good at anything, it's going to be just, you know, he knows exactly what he has to do. The ball is snapped and he, and he, he can be, he can be accurate when he, when he, when he gets in a bit of a groove and they're just short passes. But I also don't think Foles has arm strength to go down the field. I mean, you saw it against the Raiders. His deep ball was not very good. When he had to throw on the run, it wasn't very good. And, you know, this will be a good thing to ask him today, actually, but his, he had arm soreness back in training camp. Yeah. We remembered he missed a lot of it. And at the time when, you know, we were thinking he wouldn't play all year, our thought process on that was kind of, you know what, you just sit him during training camp. And if he has to play during the year, you just hope his arm holds up. And then he has off season surgery. Now it'd be interesting to see if he has this off season surgery that we've all kind of speculated he might need, um, you know, how that impacts the off season yep. in terms of Wentz. But back to, back to now, I just don't think you can effectively move the ball down the field, throwing it deep unless you luck out with a ton of flags. No, I agree. And I think that Nick Foles talked about that this week during his press conference. And he basically said that one of the things he saw on film was he was trying to force it deep. And that one of the mm-hmm. things he needs to get better at is checking down quicker to his check down options, whether that's a screen pass to the running back, whether that's Zach Ertz or Trey Burton over the middle, whether that's Nelson Aguilar, but two things that absolutely, absolutely need to be better against whoever you play in the postseason, whether it's the Saints or the Panthers or the Falcons or the Rams in the first round. Elliot, they average three and a half yards per play yeah. on Monday night. That That's just not going to get it done. They finished up with 216 yards of total offense. And I know that was a, it was a windy, miserable, cold night, but we've been talking about that being the advantage to having home field advantage against a West Coast team like the Rams, against a dome team like the Falcons, like bringing the Minnesota Vikings outside. It's that cold, miserable weather that should be able to be an advantage for the Eagles, and it just wasn't. And everybody right. wants to talk about how the Vikings struggled at Lambeau Field on Christmas Eve. They shut out the Packers on the road 16 to nothing and Brent Hundley and an offense without Devontae Adams, without Jordy Nelson, without a lot of their playmakers, they actually had more yards of offense, the Packers did, than the Eagles did against a disinterested Oakland Raiders right. team on Monday night. So this offense needs to find a gear and they need to find that gear pretty quickly. So the other question from that review that I thought was interesting was I don't know if I agree with this assessment completely, but it's not something I had thought of before. Why is there no fire in this team? Why? I mean, did you did you think against the Raiders effort not effort but like a lack of uh, like I don't know I thought before the game they seemed considerably more hype and more into it than the uh, Raiders did but I don't know I don't know if I agree that there's no fire in this team but I do think there's a little bit there's starting to be like a little bit of doubt and they almost overcompensate when trying to explain to a point it's like no everything's fine everything's fine everything's fine it's like well you have to keep saying it then to a certain degree you almost don't really think it so i do kind of think there's a seed of doubt creeping into this team which is something earlier in the season i never ever thought was the case i mean i've said time and time again on this podcast that they when Wentz was at quarterback, you could tell, and I'm sure you picked up on it too, talking to guys in the locker room. They knew they could beat almost any team. There was team a swagger. Yeah, there was a definite was a swagger. Definite swagger. Them, yeah. They they went out there knowing they could compete with any team, and they say it now. But now it almost feels like they're convincing themselves more so than they actually believe. And it. I think part of that is human nature. I mean, you watch right. Carson Wentz go down, and you know these guys aren't stupid. They're watching the same film that you and I are watching. They're in meetings every day, um, breaking down what's happening in every game, and. Nick Foles is just more limited and the offense in general is more limited with Foles at quarterback than it was with Wentz. I don't know that there's been a lack of effort. I don't know that they didn't have intensity on Monday night against the Raiders. I just think that 
you know, you put a lot more strain on the defense. The Raiders had the ball for nine more minutes of time of possession. And every week we talked about the Eagles dominating time of possession. They were the most efficient third down offensive team in football. So that means you held onto the ball longer. You kept your defense fresher. And you've talked about this time and time again all year that Carson Wentz is the reason for that. That improvisation, the mobility, making big plays, extending drives. The flip side of that coin is once your defense is on the field longer and longer from game to game, they're going to start to wear down. And I think if if anything else, what we've seen is against the the Giants and the effort that it took to come back from being down 20 to 7 and giving up some big plays, not being so sharp in the secondary, giving up the big play to Amari Cooper. I think you run the risk of this defense, especially if you don't get them some rest on Sunday against the Cowboys, starting to wear down a little bit. And maybe that's where you're seeing that they don't have the swag or they don't have the fight right. because they might just be starting to feel the effects of two or three games not winning that time of possession battle. So instead of previewing Eagles-Cowboys, because to be honest, previewing it's kind of pointless, we're going to go over some other games that matter to the Eagles in a playoff type sense in terms of who the Eagles want to get in, who they want to win this weekend, who they want to finish where. So let's just quickly go through each of the teams. Um, Currently, obviously, the Eagles have the number one seed. They've locked it up. They won't be losing that. The Vikings have the number two seed. They play the Bears at home in Minnesota. Um, they if they win that game, they clinch the first round by in the number two seed. I think it's safe to say that's probably going to happen. Yep. So I think you're looking at Eagles one, Vikings two. I agree. Rams currently number three. They've decided to sit their starters against the 49ers. Um, they could move to four. Let me see. The the Saints can clinch MC South. So they, they could move to four potentially, but the chances of that happening don't seem that great. Um but a lot of people have said this week that the one of the reasons they're doing it is try to throw the game in order to finish fourth because that means if they finish fourth and they win, they're going to Philly, barring yep. uh, barring an upset of the Saints. And, so. and I would think if you're the Rams and just the way they match up and what you saw at the L.A. Coliseum and how the Eagles needed a final 10-minute comeback with Nick Foles uh-huh. and Carson Wentz throwing four touchdowns and you're still needing to come back to win the game, um, the matchup of Todd Gurley versus this defense, what Cooper Cup was able to do to the secondary, what Jared Goff was able to do through most of the game. I think that if you're the Rams, they match up better with the Eagles than they do against the Vikings defense. And I think that that's one of the reasons. In addition to they have the luxury of, you know, getting healthy and they've they've proven themselves they can go on the road by blowing out Seattle in a pivotal divisional game. I don't think that they need this game, and I think that the better matchup for the Rams is coming into Philly versus going to Minnesota. Absolutely, and I think they know that. And if I'm the Eagles, I don't want to play the Rams a second time. So, But then again, would you rather play the Saints? No, I think you'd rather rather see the Rams Rams only because of Jared Goff, this being his first time in the postseason. Um, You look at... The Saints are kind of the Rams on steroids because they right. have not one but two dominant running backs. Alvin Kamara has a chance to Ton be of offensive experience. rookie of the year, Hall of Fame quarterback with all kinds of playoff experience. They've won here in the postseason before. So I don't think that if you're the Eagles, you want to see the Saints in that first playoff game. I agree. Now the final question is, who would you rather see get in, the Falcons or the Seahawks? For the Eagles. So For the Eagles? If you're the Eagles, who would you rather play at home? I, think I would you, think the Falcons. Right? I would think Atlanta. And, again, that's nothing taking away from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones because – as Although much he, as the he plays pretty bad when he comes here. He does. But as much as the Eagles struggled with Eli Manning get rid of, getting rid of the football quickly, Matt Ryan does that even better, and he has Julio Jones on the other side. Um, but I would much rather play – 
the Falcons because you add in the element of a dome team coming outside and potentially miserable weather. Mm-hmm. Whereas Seattle knows how to beat the Eagles. They were able to dominate the Eagles when Carson Wentz was the quarterback, let alone coming in here against Nick Foles. So if it comes down to Seattle, Atlanta, I don't know about you, but I think I'd rather face the Falcons. Especially if the Seahawks already won a game to get there. Yeah. Um, and they've already, I mean, the Seahawks already beat the Eagles when they had Carson Wentz. Granted, that was in Seattle, but still. So I agree with you on that. Um, I guess let's make a pick for the game even though it's pretty pointless. Um, I'm going to pick the Cowboys just because I think, one, this myth that Foles is going to come out there and play really well because they're giving him a chance to get on the same page is a bit of a mirage. I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, and the Cowboys will probably play their starters the whole game. They're going to have Ezekiel Elliott back. Uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna pick the Cowboys. Yeah, I'll pick the Cowboys as well, something in the area of – 20 to 13. I think that Foles is going to be able to move the offense earlier. At least that's the hope from an Eagles standpoint. But Ezekiel Elliott coming in here, Dak Prescott coming in here. I think Dallas to them, it's kind of similar to the way the Eagles were last year, wanting to finish that season strong, build some momentum going into next year. And you've talked about that all year, how you thought that that game kind of was a springboard for the Eagles coming into 2017. I think it could have a similar effect for the Cowboys because they've been so limited without Ezekiel Elliott, and now you have those guys back together. I think they win the game if for no other reason that it matters more to them, and the Eagles are probably going to rest their starters for most of it. And, you know, I was thinking about this. Didn't me and you make a bet about the Cowboys? I couldn't remember uh, what it wins. was. So eight we, wins what, was the line of demarcation. So it what wins. do they have right now? Uh, what do they have right now? I think now? they have eight wins right now. Right. So it could be a big game. So for yeah, our bet. yeah. So if they if the Eagles win on Sunday, I win the bet because then we decide eight and below, yes. I win, and nine and above. Correct. All right. So this is a big game. This is a big game. Big for game us. for us. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, please leave those reviews. As we said, we really appreciate them. As always on Fan Friday, we read the reviews, so if you leave one, good chance you'll get it read on next week's pod. We will be back on Sunday after the game. Um, I'm sure you'll all be out enjoying your New Year's Eve. Nothing better to pregame to New Year's Eve than the uh, postgame no huddle show pod. Absolutely. There you go. It's all you need to bring it, ring in the new year. So we'll have that for you. And then, of course, the hot take pod on Tuesday where we'll know the seedings. We'll know who the, the wild card game matchups are going to be. And we'll have a way bigger discussion as to who the Eagles want to play and how Foles looked on Sunday. So thanks, everyone, for listening. And, Matt, I'll talk to you later. See you at the link.